you know, be lucky or you need to be have a plan. And it's really difficult to do both. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Is it still important to establish yourself as an authority on Google Plus? What are some of the heaviest elements in the periodic table of Google Analytics? And is it possible to have a five-year plan when you work in the digital marketing industry? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, Jeff Sauer. Jeff, welcome to DMR. Thanks for having me. Well, Jeff is a digital marketing consultant, a teacher, and an internationally recognized speaker who shares his Google Analytics and SEO expertise on the popular Jeffalytics blog, while also contributing to top online marketing industry publications. So, Jeff, I interviewed you about a year and a half ago about a post that you just published then at the time called Eight Reasons Why You Need to Establish Yourself as an Authority on Google+. Now, obviously, since then, Google seems to have diminished its focus on authorship a little bit. Uh, Does this mean that Google+, isn't quite as important as it used to be? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, uh, going back to when when we first talked, uh, it was really on my mind to sort of deconstruct this whole Google Plus system and see was that the fast track to better rankings, to more prominence? Were you giving Google a line into the content you created? And so I wanted to test it out and did some some research and, and, and figure out that in some ways it did give you benefits to, to, to your SEO, to your search efforts, things like authorship that you're talking about. And so, so it did prove that over the short term, it had some benefits. And um, as I was studying it, I wanted to figure out, is this a, you know, something that we can do for long term or is it a short term benefit? Well, since, since we last talked, it's really proven out to be something that things like authorship, where they show your picture in the search results, was really a temporary thing. They, they actually have removed authorship from most search results. So the premise that I had that showing Google what you're writing and, and plugging yourself into their networks and, and participating uh, actually had the opposite effect of what I was thinking that it would do. I thought it was going to be able to allow me to have a long, a long-standing, you know, profile and account and, and some stature within Google, and it sort of has really gone away to the point where it's not af- offering a, a very large advantage to me right now. All right. Okay. I mean, that's um, an incredible turnaround. What do you think was behind Google and actually deciding to remove authorship profiles? Yeah, I think that you know, in reading forums and reading patent applications and <clears throat> and speculation from the people in the industry, a lot of what it comes down to is that they they wanted to eliminate spam by getting people to prove who they were. Uh, by proving that they were actual people, uh, that they were standing behind their work. And the authorship project largely was able to do that. It got many people, you know, a, a very large percentage, relatively speaking, of Internet authors to claim themselves and to participate in this project and to say who they were. Mm. So Google was able to to get people to be, identify themselves as the quality authors. But it never really meet, met mainstream adoption outside of just a few small people and right there's a few small groups like the SEOs and, and other um, industries that that really latched on to, to authorship and so I think that after they got some success but not all the success they're looking for 
They just must have evaluated how much more efforts it's going to take and what's the benefit that it's going to provide. And so I'm not, apparently Google doesn't see the benefit in pursuing this further uh, based on the small sample set that did adopt it. Right, okay. It's, it's, it's a pity because obviously it um, seemed to personalize results a little bit. Um, and um, it, it seemed as at the time as if it encouraged um, a higher percentage click-through and a, a lot of people reported that it did. But of course, Google, um, when they decided to, to announce that it was going, um, said that um, there wasn't any massive significant uh, difference in terms of click-through rate. And of course, a few people were thinking, well, are, are they, are they is this really the case? Um, or did it actually encourage too many eyeballs away from paid search results as well? Um, but um, I, I guess it, it makes more sense that um, there just wasn't enough people doing it. Yeah, that and and uh, the people who were behind the initiative, a lot of them moved on to other positions and did other things. And so I think that they, you know, Google has a tendency to start a lot of different projects and see if they can get traction, see if, see right. what sticks, and see where the opportunities come from. And perhaps they just didn't see this the traction that they needed in order to pursue it further. And so when that happens, they they sort of phase things out. Either they they just don't give it any funding or any resources, or they just kill it. And so I think they've they've put a lot of backing behind Google Plus, so that I don't think they can really just say we're not going to do this anymore. But you can tell that there's a lot less momentum from the platform now than there there was last year at this time. Right, okay. But but you think Google Plus, uh, I know it's a big question this, but do you think Google Plus will probably still be around in five years' time and it'll probably just morph into something slightly different? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the connective tissue between everything else that Google does. So it'd be really hard to unwind that now when they've put that in place. And, and also I think there's benefits to verifying people's identity and having people... You know, be, you know, act like real people on their network. So I think that there's value in in what they do. It's just that I'm not sure that it's going to be um, a go-to social network for people. I think that there's some niches still that use it, but other ones sort of had fatigue. And and you know, <clears throat> when I look at my notifications and interactions with people on Google Plus, even six months ago, it's it's gone down significantly. In ever since authorship went away, really. Right. Okay. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, it, it, Google Plus is obviously still heavily integrated into things like Hangouts and and and, and YouTube, really. Um, but um, we will see. Uh, but in terms of um, other content that you've been publishing yourself, I notice in your Jeff Analytics blog that you've published um, a lot of great stuff. And um, um, one page that um, um, caught my eye was your periodic table of Google Analytics. Would you like to tell the, the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So about a, uh, about three years ago, I started teaching Google Analytics classes at a university in, in Minneapolis. And I realized at the time that there was just so much to teach and so much knowledge that I had in my head. And then the, the community sort of had collectively about how this product works, but there's really no way of simplifying it to somebody who's looking to learn. So I would try to take all this information that I had been collecting and that I that I learned about the product and, and things like that. And then I'd try to present it to a beginner user and they'd be overwhelmed by what they were seeing. They got a little freaked out and said, really, this, this is impossible to learn all this stuff. And so I was like, well, how do I visualize this in a way that 
they can really see, you know, step by step the, the pieces, the building blocks they're working with, but then also have small wins and saying, oh, I understand how that works. Or, I understand that one and sort of use it as a self-test or a, or a quiz into how does Google Analytics work for them. And so thinking about the different methods that you can use to visualize concepts, the periodic table seemed like something that had been done before in the SEO world by the search engine land folks. I had seen one on on WordPress in pl plugins. And so I was like, why don't I use that same concept for analytics, for Google Analytics in particular? And so came up with the elements, worked with the designer, and was able to simplify this complex beast of a product that I am very familiar with and into something that not only made sense to the everyday practitioners, but also sort of gave a, a complete picture to those that were just getting started. I, I think it, it looks great, certainly visually, and I, I'm sure it explains things um, quite um, a, a lot easier than um, Google do themselves, because Google um, are generally, you know, technical and um, you know very clever people, uh, but not necessarily the best people to explain. Um, complex issues um, in a simple manner to people just starting out. And I, and I think you've done a great job with that. Um, now, um, with a conventional periodic table, of course, you've got your heavy metals and you've got your your your, your light um, elements as well. Um, what do you think are the, the heavy, the most important um, elements within Google Analytics to be aware of? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um you know, obviously, this is not really a scientific way of looking at things. It's more <laughs> of a organization structure. So I did take some liberties there. Uh, but the things that I think are the most important. Well, if you were to ask me this four or five years ago, it's it was clean data. It was getting the right data into the system so that you could trust it. And that was a, a pretty big. I mean, it still is an ongoing problem. It's gotten a little bit easier since Google Tag Manager came out. But just getting the right foundation of data so you're confident to make decisions was the biggest thing for a long time. Now I think it's starting to get to the point where it's more about how do you take this this information you have and how do you turn it into a way to make your business better, to make your business more money, to make, you know, to 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 improve the prospects of your business based on all this data that you're collecting. So it's it's more of an engine for for taking action and for for getting better at as a business, as an online marketing business, than it is to just make sure that you're focused on having the right data. Right. Okay. So um, obviously that um, focuses then, I guess, on on goals and 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 tracking metrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, and then also just just understanding what it means to the business. You know, I think that these tools they they lead you in certain directions and they get you to look at certain things that that the tool provider feels is important, but is that important to your business? And so um, my my talks now a lot more have been less focused on the tactical aspects and a lot more on the how are we going to get to what we need to get to using these tools. And so I always try to, at the end of each presentation or at the end of each talk, say, here's how you take action on this information you've collected. Um, you know, putting Google Tag Managers in, in, in place is important, but here's what you need to do in order to take action on that data that's in there. All Otherwise, right. it's, just, it's just really just focusing on what's new and playing with the new things. So I guess what you're saying is, um, as a business, understand um, offline, first of all, 
precisely what your goals and objectives are. And once you've defined that, come up with questions to ask analytics and then get answers to those questions rather than actually getting glossed in um, all the different things that um, analytics can do for you. Absolutely. I mean, I, <clears throat> I've had, you know, I do a lot of consulting and a lot of times with clients, I'll, what I'll ask them is, is to forget about the tool altogether and just write down what are the things that consider you that you that you need to do in the next three to five years, whatever the time period is. It doesn't really matter that much. It has to be enough time to actually be able to see impact. But what do you want to do in that time? Write it down, <clears throat> and then we'll see if this is the right tool for the job, or if it's a combination of tools, or if if really the whole thing is that you just need to get a better business practice or business process in place to even publish on the web you know can you really expect that google analytics is going to solve your problems if you don't even know where you where you need to go where where you belong it's funny that you see three to five years actually because of course um one of the recent posts that you actually published on your own site is the the importance the importance of setting goals in your life and ha- having things like a five-year plan um but um when you're involved with um online marketing and perhaps all of your business is online um, is it really actually possible to have such long-term objectives yeah so that's that's a tough one so the, yeah i just wrote a post the other day i was sort of in reaction to a question posed by one of my heroes this avanash this guy named avanash kashik who works for for google sure. and basically he said you can either have a five-year plan or you can take advantage of the opportunity in front of you choose one or the other <laughs> and, and that's paraphrasing what he wrote. Um, but I took that as meaning you can't, you either need to take every opportunity as they come and sort of just, just whatever's there, go for it. Or you can plan out every step along the way and say, you know, in two years, I want to do this, three years, I want to do that. And sort of have this over, over planning scenario. And so his, it's a simplified way of saying either you need to, you know, be lucky or you need to be, have a plan. And it's really difficult to do both. And and actually, my post that I wrote, very personal, is about how I actually do have goals. They don't have a time frame on them, so I don't actually have a five-year plan. But about 10 years ago, I did write down all the things that I need to do in order to be considered, and in order to consider myself to have a happy, happy life, happy existence. This is both career and for personal matters. And so I wrote that down, and, and I use that as a framework over time in order to help make decisions. And so, for example, one of the things that I said is that I want to be self-employed by the age of 30. And so when you make that goal there, what you end up doing is you make decisions around how do you, you know, you sort of operate within that framework that if you're going to make that happen, you need to do this, this, and that in order for that to happen. So in order to be self-employed, you need to have clients. You need to have a revenue stream. You need to have things like insurance taken care of. You need to have accounting. You need to have all these different things that are around there. And so I didn't go to the level of saying I need to have two clients or 10 clients or this much money. Basically, I sort of just knew that if I wanted to do it, I needed to take steps in place. And eventually those steps, they all sort of accumulated to the point where it ended up being the right choice. And it was an easy choice to go out on my own and become self-employed at that point in time. And so I think that you should set goals, which I, I consider a goal <clears throat> to be anything that's long-term, that that's sort of, you know, in the end, if you accomplish that, it's a big deal to accomplish it. I think you should set goals. I don't really care what your time frame is. If, if you're, you know, um, 
I don't, you know, five years is arbitrary, 50 years is arbitrary. It's more along the lines of during the time period that you're, that you want to get it done, that you set some goals in place. And what's also interesting to me is that you wrote down those goals um, because I've, I've heard quite a lot in the past about um, the likelihood of you reaching your goals is uh, so many times more increased if you actually write down your goals physically rather than just thinking about them. Absolutely. And, and the funny thing, I wish I could say that this is like a planned thing. <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I looked in the mirror and said, oh, I'm going to write down goals. I'm going to do this, this and that. Or, you know, I read a book or something like that. I'm, I'm not even sure where it came from. Funny thing, it was, I was, I was 23 years old at the time. And looking back, I was like, man, that was the wisest thing that I ever did <laughs> at that age. Cause I thought that I was pretty much a dumbass at that point in time. And I was like, to actually think about that and to think through it in order to make the goals realistic yet not, not burdensome was, was a very difficult thing. And so I actually like I have a lot of respect for for young me because I don't <laughs> think that I could even do that right now. I think that today I would probably screw it up. I don't think you were a dumbass. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I tell you what, let's segue into the second section of our discussion, and that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, Google Analytics is a pretty big one. If that goes away. I'm I'm finding a new job, finding <laughs> a new new life. Um, I love I, I love WordPress as well for for creating websites and working with them. Um, I'm I'm building up a membership website on on a website that I have called Knowledge Land, and Knowledge Land is built on WordPress, and it also uses some membership software. Um, I'm using something called Optimize Press to sure. build out the to build out the pages that I have, and, yeah. and I love that. James framework. Dyson, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's excellent. Um, and and I've started to use. Basically, I'm putting an infrastructure in place now that, even though I'm a one person business, that if if anybody else needs to come in into place, they can get caught up with a lot of the things that we're doing or that I did along the way. So I'm using something called Slack. To stay organized as far as creating boards and creating tasks around development that tool has it's it's fairly new and it's already taken off to extraordinary levels here in, in the u.s um i've, I've heard so it recommended a couple of times already actually so i'm gonna to have to definitely look into this yeah yeah it's it's you know when i talked about google plus being the connective tissue between our the google properties slack sort of like the connective tissue between your project management software and other, you know, your idea generation and other things. So you can hook it up with Trello. You can hook it up with a bunch of project management and development software pieces, and, and then it keeps track of everything that you did along the way. So it's a really nice sort of history record of how the business has worked. And a slightly more challenging question, what software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try at some point in the near future? Yeah, um, I have. so I, I read a monthly newsletter and in that newsletter, I make recommendations of analytics and, and other tools. And I'm probably about 25 tools behind now and actually being able to try those out. So the problem is once you start recommending software, the next software vendor wants you to try theirs and make a recommendation. So there's actually far too many pieces of software that I think have good purpose, but I just haven't used it because of the time involved with it. 
Well, I'll tell you what, we'll uh, let you off naming one specifically there because you've made so many great recommendations already. <laughs> and um, I will include um, links to all those recommendations that you've made um, just in the show notes. Um, so just... Um, um, Listeners, just search for Jeff in the search bar, find this post, and then you can get links to everything there. In fact, I'll also embed um, your infographics um, on your uh, periodic table, in fact. You, you've got it on your site, Jeffalytics, of course, as well. But I'll, I'll embed that within the, the, the post as well there. Excellent. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Um, <laughs> I, it's weird. I, I think that all the experiences that I've had have been... I've had a lot of failures in my in, in what I've done. I've started online-only businesses that I didn't focus on. So I put money, think that, I thought that throwing money at a problem would would make things work better, and that doesn't happen. Um, I've thought that just by creating th- something that's a good idea without being able to give my time to it, that it would be something that would work. So um, I'm not sure that I wish that I wouldn't have done any of those things, but I'm glad that I got the experience. But if I were to start over again, um, it would only be... It would be giving your full time, concentration, and money, whatever you have, into making one thing succeed at a time as opposed to trying 20 different things and, and hoping that one of those sticks because obviously hoping that something's going to work versus going out of your way to make sure it works, that's the difference between a successful business and a, and a failed business in my opinion. Great advice, sir. Focus on that one project and just do the best possible job you can on that one thing. Yeah, and and be convinced that that's the one that is going to make it. (laughs) Because (laughs) if you're not convinced, then you're always going to be looking for the next thing. Right. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Uh, Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Sure. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook? Actually, sorry, actually affiliates. <laughs> okay, Facebook or Google Plus? <laughs> Google Plus. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relationships. Paid search or SEO? Both. Email contact form or telephone number? Contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Uh, Depends on the type of business you have. Global. (laughs) Global mostly, but um, depends on your business. That's that's fair enough. Um, One question you changed your mind on was uh, moving to affiliates from display advertising. Is that because... um, you are more comfortable with affiliates now and you actually think that um, it's, it's, it's got a good future? Um, actually, I, I, just, I, I look at the results that I've gotten from just pure display ads and, and it's not, it hasn't really been that great. So I don't necessarily, I wouldn't know if I'd recommend that to a lot of companies out there. Affiliates are a lot more direct response oriented. So you don't really lose anything by doing it. You basically can only really get good things out of having affiliates or being an affiliate yourself. And so when I look at recommendations I'd make to somebody about what they should be doing, I always choose direct response whenever possible. 
And you actually selected Google Plus rather than Facebook. So there's still life in Google Plus yet. Yeah, I just don't really care for Facebook that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that it's a, it's a time waster, in my opinion. And I don't have a lot of time to waste. And so I think there's a lot of people who really enjoy it. But it's, it's, it's once again, the nature of it is really just to spend time. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Right now, I'd probably spend it on paid advertising. So paid media, just to get people into the door to try to take my Google Analytics training course, which I'm currently selling online as a Google Analytics training videos. And um, just to see what keywords are going to stick and in, in how do I turn out a positive ROI on those ads. Um, the, the problem with being a solo trying to advertise for something is that every dollar you lose is, is your dollar. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of interesting. Um, you make different decisions when it's somebody else's money than when it's your own. And when you play with scared money, just like in gambling or anything else you're doing, um, usually you don't get the best results because you're a little bit too worried about it. And so with somebody else's money, I'd make completely different decisions. And you said paid advertising. Now, do you mean specifically pay-per-click? And um, if so, do you also mean Google AdWords? Yes, yeah, so I'd, AdWords I'd, and Facebook pay-per-click. So I do paper, paid advert- or pay-per-click advertising. Right. Uh, um, okay. It's getting quite expensive now, of course, but if you can convert, then it'll be worth it. Yeah, and that's the thing is it, it's expensive and it's it's very expensive to even fine-tune to the point where you can get a positive ROI. And so the first couple thousand, ten thousand dollars is pretty much just wasted until you find the little niches that you can compete in. And so that's exactly what that money would go to. Wow. I remember back in 2004, 2005, um, spending a penny per click in Google AdWords. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that like that anymore. <laughs> My number one takeaway. Well, Jeff, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Um, if, if, if you own the business, it's just always work towards growing your business and towards either learning something for the value you're putting in there or towards growing and, and getting getting your situation to be better because it's really hard to start a new business, really, really hard. And so you have to be, like I said earlier, convinced that this is the end all be all for you. And so that that's um, just, just stay focused and, and convince yourself to go forward because once you build a business that, that gets customers and gets value and once you build a brand, for example, even how I built my own online brand, it's really hard to take that away. And so things, you know, next year you'll get people renewing with you just because they know you or you'll get people to sign up with your service just because they heard your name. Mm. And so that adds up and it's, you know, this whole flywheel of momentum to get to the point where your business becomes sustainable or becomes something that you can be proud of and something that can support you and others into the future. It's all about traction, isn't it? Um, it's it's really tough for that first maybe six, 12 months or so. But um, once you've got that um, core base of customers um, and you produce great content, great products, then they'll start recommending their friends as well. And um, you'll start going level and then going downhill and freewheeling a little bit after a while. 
Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is that you, you had said six to 12 months. And I think that I think that's the perception is that it should happen in six to 12 months, but don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen that quickly. I mean, some people, you know, some companies will go on for five years, 10 years where they're just breaking even or just, just getting going. And then all it takes is one event. Once you have that infrastructure in place to really get things to grow. So don't always worry about the timelines of what you see with Facebooks and these companies that went from zero to billion dollars. That's, that's the exception. That's not the rule. Um, the, the most long standing and valuable thing you can do is to create something that is long standing and valuable <laughs> to many people. Right. Okay. So just stay standing, um, stick in there. And if you believe in it and you, if, if you do a great job, then um, it, it, it is likely to happen eventually. Yeah. I mean, and, and take advantage of any opportunity in front of you. Um, sometimes you have to be lucky. Sometimes you have to create your own luck. That's, that's a great quote to, to, to end us on. Well, but that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your advice. So what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, so you can go to jefflytics.com if you want to get um, tactical and a little bit strategic digital marketing knowledge. I mostly focus on on Google Analytics and WordPress and, and some SEO and PPC mixed in. And then if you want to get training or mentorship at all on just breaking into the digital marketing career field, my website, knowledgeland, knowledge.land, which is an odd domain name, I understand, um, is, is all about trying to help people become better digital marketers and to become confident that they can do this as a career. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Jeff. All right. Thanks for your time. Digital marketing radio. Digital marketing radio. Digital